Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Misa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm all right, mate. How are you? I'm We're good. both wearing hoodies again. Both wearing hoodies, but yeah, I had a, a moment of darkness today. Went up to the Uh-oh. bathroom and I'm like... Well, hang on. Where's this going? My hair grows really fast inside. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> I'm, I'm like a, you know, like a mushroom is not meant, do mushrooms grow well in the dark? I'm not sure. But like, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like a mushroom. Like I'm, I'm, it's my hair is not much of it, but it's growing really fast indoors. I don't know what like that's an about. urban greenhouse. Yeah, exactly. It's really weird. So that grow your own. Yeah. There's a moment of anxiety. But apart from that, I'm very good, actually. I'm very good indeed. Lovely. Uh, should we do a quick bit of admin? Let's do it. We're going to do a stadio sessions this week. I've just decided. Amazing. Breaking news. Not even told Musa yet. Exactly. <laughs> I'm shocked. Thought we kicked the weekend off. You know, football is back. All eyes are on the Bundesliga. I was thinking maybe do like a guitar music one. Ooh. Two hours of guitars. That's great. We haven't been there yet, have we, with the guitars? Not really, yeah. Awesome. Um, I don't, is there any other admin? Uh, uh, I should have a piece going up on the ringer this week about the Bundesliga return that should be up Friday. Also, this is a massive humble brag. So after our... Bundesliga manager attire chat on the podcast the other day. I'm currently in the middle of doing a thread of all of the Bundesliga managers coaching get up. <laughs> yeah, it's so through good. the order of their current up position in the table. So up next is Adi Hutter, who is a pioneer. He's a pioneer of the uh, roll neck cardigan hybrid. He he united <laughs> Stadio. But Andy Brassel said it was the only Bundesliga preview he needed ahead of the weekend. So considering he is a guy who literally covers the Bundesliga for the Guardian, I yeah. will take that a lot. And the Thanks, great, Andy. the great Yasmina Banaschuk, one of the best poets in Germany, said, "This is the this is premium content right here, premium Bundesliga." Well, content. I mean, you chuck three pictures of Marco Rosa in any thread, and it's gonna it's gonna win the internet. Actually, yeah, <laughs> humble brag. Actually, uh, a joint humble brag that we got acknowledged by the Gladbach Twitter account. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we really did. That was funny. So we we clipped the bit that we were talking about Marco Rosa on the last podcast and tagged Gladbach in it, and they retweeted it and then just responded with a. A very beautiful picture of Marco Rosa. What other kind is there, quite frankly? I mean, the, yeah, the guy doesn't take a bad picture. <laughs> Dangerously photogenic. Good times, good times. Anyway, on to podcast stuff. Well, since the last podcast, there's been news filtering out that things have been set in motion to see the return of La Liga, Serie A and the Premier League. But I think maybe we'll wait for more details because that's a rapidly changing situation. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, Bundesliga is back this weekend. We'll be covering it fully on the next show. We'll be watching all of the games. As many as we can. I mean, they all kick off as the first bolt kick off at 3.30. 3.30. There's one at 6.30 on Saturday evening. If you're in the UK, you can watch the ones outside of the 3pm window on BT Sport. And the evening games are beautiful. Eintracht against Mm. um, Gladbach on the Saturday and then Bayern Union. And Bayern are coming to like... East Berlin. And when, when people say Union Berlin, it's not just like East Berliners are like living 10 minutes from the wall. It's like Kerpenick, Kerpenick. Deep, deep East. Yeah. It's tasty. Yeah. Just it's energy. such a shame the fans aren't going to be there for that because oh, that would have been so amazing. It would have been unbelievable. Yeah. Do you know what's And obviously the, the big, the main fixture of the weekend is the derby between Dortmund and Schalke oh my on Saturday afternoon. I mean, top of the bill. Yeah. So we'll talk about all those on Monday's show. Also, we're doing Football Weekly. Yeah. On Monday. God, got so many podcasts to do, man. Wild. But yeah, we'll be talking about the Bundesliga on Football Weekly as well. And we're going to do a rewatch. We'll let them announce it. Yep. But today, we're doing a bit of a mailbag. So it might be a short one today, but we thought we'd do some questions before football comes back. We've got an amazing question to start it off from Andreas Moll. And he emailed us something. 
Hey, Ryan and Musa, you mentioned on the pod that you're also big NBA fans. One thing that the NBA world is certainly better at than football is in nicknaming players. Could you find some footballer equivalent for these classic NBA nicknames? The answer, the big fundamental, the human highlight reel, the Splash Brothers, and for a team, the Bad Boys. Feel free to add some nicknames. That's a good question, I think, to start off. Yeah, it's an amazing question. Let's go through the ones that he suggested. Yeah. So, the answer. Who would you put forward for the answer? So, the answer was obviously Alan Iverson, who was a spectacular player, ruthless scorer. I think in terms of, just because the name is so epic as well, I think I'd put Ronaldo forward, the phenomenon. Oh, Does that make sense? Nice. I think, yeah. I'd, I'd, That's good that you've gone with someone who's obviously got one of the best nicknames in football. In sport. I think it's one of the greatest nicknames. You could say that nickname almost anywhere and people would have a sense of it. Of that generation, yeah. they'd know what it was referring to. So I think, I think the phenomenon, Ronaldo, is, is maybe the equivalent there. Who would you... For the answer. Hmm. For the answer. That's a really good question. I would have maybe put in Thierry Henry for the answer. Ooh, yeah. So obviously we've been watching The Last Dance, right? And there were a couple of moments where Jordan's talking about how he would almost like invent this thing in his head and then take revenge on that person in the following game in order to motivate himself. And there was a bit of that in Thierry Henry I always found. Yes, very much so. Very much. He would very much like go after people. I remember that goal he scored against Liverpool at Highbury. Yeah. And I think he really enjoyed just seeing Carragher fall over. Yeah, he took a natural pride in it. Yeah. There was a pride in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I reckon Thierry Henry, the answer, would be my shout. He created absolute horror. I think it's important now and again to talk about, there's a specific group of footballer who go to away grounds and just absolutely, they're like Daenerys Targaryen. They just leave the entire thing, just, they just walk away from flames. Dracarys. Yeah, Dracarys. Yeah, there's, you know what? Hey, that's, a, that's an episode one oh, reference. Dracarys. <laughs> we need to do Dracarys footballers. Footballers who just go to particular places. Do you remember <laughs> the greatest Dracarys footballer? Do you know what? Actually, Batistuta is the ultimate Dracarys. Do you know why? Well, maybe that's a suggestion for, feel free to add some nicknames. Okay, so there's one. Because her new nickname, Gabriel Batistuta, is Dracarys. And the reason I say that is because when he went, to the new camp playing for Fiorentina and he scored that incredible strike mm. and then he runs to the crowd and just goes shh and he was the first person I'd seen do that I know it'd been done before but 120,000 people in the camp now and it was the fact that he scored a goal that brilliant there's sometimes when people score a goal and it's like it's not like a tap in it's like two goals because mm. the nature of the goal is so psychologically devastating that it ripples out beyond that moment that was the Dracarys moment. Yeah, that's, yeah. So Dracarys is Batistuta. I like that a lot. <laughs> I actually think your shout for the answer was good though, because Ronaldo never won a Champions League, right? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. And Iverson never won a championship. Good point. And also there's something about Iverson, even though he never actually provided the answer in quotes, Iverson's brilliance proves that legacy in sport goes far beyond what is in a trophy cabinet. Legacy is actually, oh, yeah. it's about moments. Well, we say that, you say that, but actually, you know, obviously watching the last dance, we're assessing what greatness is, but greatness is about more than winning X titles. Greatness is about influence. And also here's the thing as well, like LeBron James is not a greater basketball player than Michael Jordan, but I suspect he'd be a lot more fun to win a title with. I imagine there'd be a lot, I think people in the dressing room, if you look at like LeBron, even at, at high school, 
and how much he trusted his teammates and how gentle he was with them, demanding but gentle. You're like, unless you're JR Smith. That's true. But even with JR, he, 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 JR, he was very patient. He was very patient with JR Smith. Yeah. He got to the point where he was just like, no. Even, yeah, no, even I couldn't. Yeah. What are you doing, JR? I mean, to be <laughs> honest, everyone was everyone watching that game. Everyone will know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. Like it was pulling the same expression that LeBron was. <laughs> Why are you running away from the basket? It's the most relatable thing LeBron's ever done to a normal yeah. human. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Like Alan Iverson, he influenced, I think, the culture around the NBA off the court way more. Oh, yeah. You know, he, at the time, not a lot of basketball players looked like Alan Iverson. Now, a lot of basketball players look like Alan Iverson, if that makes sense. Whereas if you look at the, the thing that's really striking about the last dance for me, is that you look at Jordan, you look at Pippin, you look at Horace Grant, you look at all these players who were around at the time, even like Carl Malone and all of these guys. There's not a tattoo in sight, yeah. really. If they are, there's one. Like the, the main tattoo that you can see is on Tony Kukoc. He's got that terrible tattoo on his upper yeah. arm. But now, like Iverson was absolutely dripping, loads of tats, looked like someone who had just dropped like the sickest hip hop album. Exactly, mixtape, yeah. And was just like, had his complete, his like completely individual flavor and was really standalone and unique at that time. And he- He's a little Wayne of basketball. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's someone in a footballing sense who was that good, who had that little help as well. Beckham? Oh no, that little help. Nah. Oh no, sorry, sorry. When I, sorry, let me just rewind yeah. that. When he said that someone that good, I thought you were going to follow up by saying someone who's that good had much influence on the culture around football. Because no, I, I mean, culture-wise, Beckham, I think, is a massive shout. Yeah. But I think in terms of actually being that good on the pitch, but not having the help. Gerard. Mm. Gerard didn't have help. Not really. Yeah, maybe. When Gerard yeah. really, if you consider, there's never, if, if you look at the history of, the modern history of world football, of all the players that were of an elite level, Gerard had by far the least support, I would say, consistently over the course of an entire career. He got it at certain points, but when he really needed it, it wasn't there, I would say. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next one. The big fundamental. So obviously Tim Duncan, one franchise guy at the San Antonio Spurs. Mm. One of the greatest basketball players of all time. So we're looking for a player who basically, do you know who I think that is? I think that's Raul. Not very big though. No, but was abs- but, but here's the thing. Here's, here's my point. Someone said it best. Raul Gonzalez is not a 10 out of 10 in any category, but he is a nine in absolutely everything. If you look at a footballer who had an absolute mastery, like no... You know, when Kobe Bryant passed away, LeBron James said he had no offensive flaws. Mm. No offensive flaws. And I think Raul was the same. Raul had no flaws as a forward player. He was absolutely astonishing. But in a very Tim Duncan way, just his levels of production, even his numbers, like Tim Duncan's numbers, you look at them, you're like, Meh. I mean, they, to us, they're great. But to an average person, they'd be like, oh, they don't really stand out. And they'd be like, you had to see it. And Raul's numbers are very, very good numbers, but they're not like, wow. And again, it's like, you had to see it. Like when Raul took over the final third, it was done. So he's not a big yeah. player, but in terms of his, to me, he was the Tim Duncan, like a single club man who just basically year in, year out. The only difference is that actually Raul did have a decline, which Duncan didn't. Well, I actually had two other shouts. One was Lillian Turam, who could fit the big fundamental role. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Especially post-career with the glasses. Oh my God, yeah. That's big fundamental energy. <laughs> And, uh, that needs to be the name of the podcast. 
Big Mouth Mental Energy. <laughs> Amazing. And uh, I, I actually think, if you think of a footballer that was most in the Tim Duncan role, like, you could argue it was someone like Patrick Vieira. Oh, okay. Master- would score, he would, would score on you, would like, could stretch the floor, could dunk on you, could post up, could like defend. I think maybe Patrick Vieira was a little bit too aggro and that's why I'd go with the more zen-like Lillian Turam because Tim Duncan has this very zen thing about him. That's right. And you couldn't, there was someone you couldn't rattle. Yeah, in terms of skill set, probably Vieira in terms of overall vibe to Ram, I think. Big fundamental energy. That is so good. I'm going to write that down. That's so good. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next one. The human highlight reel. So obviously Dominique, Dominique Wilkins. Mm. Oh man, what Ron- a guy. Ronaldinho then. Yeah. Yeah, I've got nothing to add to that. Just someone, Dominique Wilkins was a basketball player, Atlanta Hawks. You look at him and you're like, you turn, when you're turning to strangers, the, the mark of the human highlight reel is when you're turning to complete strangers as if they're old friends or relatives and going, what have we just seen? Yeah. Because you just literally, you, you have to run it. There are some people who are so brilliant, you've got to call up a friend and process it with them. And Ronaldinho was one of those. You look at him and you're like, I, I can't. I, I, I've never seen that. That doesn't compute. Mm. Almost like you, you're complaining to the steward at the ground going, I was told we'd be watching football, but this doesn't fit the description. This is the kind of, you know, that's Ronaldinho. One of the other person I might add in terms of a nickname perspective is actually Iniesta because he's, because oh. he's the illusionist. And that's a great, it's one of the greatest nicknames. And mm. there's something quite magical. I just think that name, the illusionist is so cool. And Iniesta is funny because when you watch him back, He's more spectacular. You see it at the time yeah. sometimes. You see it at the time. I've never seen such a difference. I've told you this, but between, there's never been such a difference for me between a player you see on a screen and a player you see in three dimensions. Yeah. Seeing him in three oh, dimensions. I'm going to go and watch, I'm going to go and watch some Iniesta highlights today, I think. Though. Yeah. This one's really fun. <laughs> okay. The Splash Brothers. So obviously, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson from the Warriors. Who's your Splash Brothers? Shout out. Robbery. Ribbery and Iron Robin. Oh. You've got like these two like long range bombers, these wingers who are inseparable in terms like n- you don't really talk about ribbon without robbery. Uh, <laughs> ribbon without robbery. Yeah. You don't talk about them. <laughs> they're just like, they're inseparable and they're wingers. You can al- always count on late stage of games to deliver year in, year out. So that, that's mine. Hmm. See, I've got two. My first Splash Brothers are three. Oh, wow. Okay. Because it doesn't say you have to have two Splash Brothers. That's right. That's a very good point. It's Neymar, Suarez, Messi. Oh my goodness, that's terrifying. That is- because they had that same energy as, the, as Clay and, and Steph, I think. At the time when they were all vibing, it was like, everybody eats. That's Do you know what I mean? That's, oh my God, everybody eats. Yeah. Amazing. Everybody. Everybody threes. 2015, that was amazing. Yeah. It, yeah, they were unbelievable to watch that. You know, the MSN, as they called it. But now, I'd say maybe Mane and Salah. They've got good Splash Brother energy. They do. The same thing. I'd actually put Firmino in there too, to be honest, dude. I would go more with those because they're more likeable, I think, than Ribery and Robin. Because Clay and Steph are really likeable. That's true, actually. That's true. That's true. They, they've got a cheeky, a cheeky element. To Whereas, them. to be honest, like Robin and Ribery have got the facial expressions of bank robbers. They actually look like they could pull a yeah. bank. If you put them, if you cast them, if you put them in the opening scene of The Dark Knight, they'd look like they belonged there. 
Yeah, can you imagine if one of one of the guys who pulls off a mask in the opening scene and it's just it's just I am Robin and then he turns around and shoots Rivery. How perfect would that have been? <laughs> Completely broken you the could, fourth wall, but still. Do you know what? In fact, you could probably that that Bayern squad who won the the 2013 Champions League final. You could probably do that entire opening sequence with half of that. Squad. <laughs> oh my god, that's incredible. That's a concept. Football teams who have most closely resembled those pulling a heist. And then Jim Gordon's your pankus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! No, 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 no. Jim Gordon's is clearly Louis Van Gaal. No, because Jim Gordon's a really nice guy. Yeah, but your pankus is the guy that's running the scam, right? Yeah, but I think ultimately Yup is too nice. He's too nice. He's too yep. nice. It was his yeah. birthday. Oh my goodness! The other day it was his birthday. Happy birthday, yeah. Yup! And I was really terrified because I saw him trending. I oh, know. Yeah, I Twitter. Had the same tw- Twitter needs to stop. <laughs> If yeah, it's a famous, just underneath. If it's a famous dead. person's birthday, they need to yeah. add an emoji to it. Like, kind of, yeah. yeah, like a birthday cake. Yeah, yeah. But exactly, exactly. Just for my sort of own emotional. Yeah. 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 All right, let's round up on this one for the team, the bad boys. Leeds United of the 70s. Oh, yeah. Because to be the bad boys like the Detroit Pistons were, there has to be an element of reveling in it. And there were Leeds players that would complain they were seen as this like a dirty team. But there was almost a kind of like cartoonish villain element to it of like, yeah, we kind of know what we are. I think Leeds United with that because the Detroit Pistons could play basketball. They, were, they could play beautiful stuff. Like they, I mean, they won, they won two championships. But the way they played, like Bill Lambeer was a beautiful, I mean, he was like a, Bill Lambeer was a brutal player, but he had the skill set that modern mm. players have. He could shoot, he could post up. You know, someone said, Rachel Nichols, someone said, you were the unicorn before unicorns existed. You yeah. could do everything. And you look at like Billy Bremner, Billy Bremner was hard as hell, but could do everything. Technically, was astonishing. John Giles, you know, John Giles was a tough guy, could take care of himself, but beautiful playmaker, one of the great playmakers. And it's funny because Detroit Pistons, the legacy doesn't resonate because they had that edge to them. And Leeds United should routinely come up as one of the most beautiful teams in history, but they don't, despite having gone to a Champions League final or a European Cup final, because that they had that edge to them. And the problem is, the problem is and this is the problem with the Detroit, Detroit Pistons now in basketball, legacy is so important because 20 years after you play basketball, most people have forgotten. Yeah. The, not, not most, but the kind of, the, you know, yeah, I suppose the majority of people have forgotten you or don't talk about you fondly, which is why Jordan's doing this documentary now, because even though he's Michael Jordan, he still wants to be remembered a certain way. And I get that. And having a reputation as being dirty, it's great in the short term, but in the long term, no one outside Detroit is really there for you. I think it must be really painful for those people because it's fun at time to be like a villain, but no one really loves villains in the long term, do they? Not really. Unless you're Maradona. Unless you're Maradona, no one really loves you in the long term. Maybe. I was going to suggest someone modern day. It's a bit of a cliche. You could throw in Atleti, but they're too likable. But I think the thing about the Pistons was, unless you were a Pistons fan, no one really liked that team. And you saw it in the rep of the players. Like, no one liked Isaiah Thomas. No. And he was one of the best point guards around. That's why he's doing a PR campaign now, like trying to repair damage. But yeah, I think, I think Atleti too. Atleti's villainy is, it comes from more of a... They're anti-hero, really. They're anti-hero. Yeah. They're anti-hero. Yeah, they, they are. They're, they're they not, are. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not villains. They're anti-heroes. Yeah. But yeah, I think Leeds United is a good one. You know, you know, not let your anti-heroes because they'd save the day and you'd be like, you try to organise a kind of victory parade. They'd be like, I'm doing my job. What are you, 
Yeah. It's weirdo. What are you doing? Oh my goodness. You rescue someone from a burning building. I'm like, yeah, I'm a fireman. Like what? Like that, that, that is so, <laughs> that is such a. <laughs> oh man. Right. I really love that question. Thanks so much, Andreas. That's taken the entire first half of our podcast up. Oh my God. I'm now wishing that, I'm now wishing that I just had a vision of Roy Keane playing for Atleti. Oh, it's so under Simeone. It's so perfect. It's so perfect. Isn't it? To be honest, he's probably one of the only coaches who would have like Roy Keane probably wouldn't have pushed. Yeah. It's like, we, yeah. Un- we understand each other. Okay, great. I think at the beginning of the podcast, I said, let's do a really quick mailbag and we're already like well into it. Thanks. Thanks, Andreas. <laughs> now great let's question. take a break and then we'll come back with some more questions. Let's do it. Back from the break, let's do a really, really quick one first from Cheeky Ball Boys. Not a question, but Herve Renard discussed. No one looks better in any tight fitting shirt. No one. The Jamie Lannister of football. Shout out yeah. to Bob. <laughs> let's look at this one from Matt at Hako86. Say Jaden Sancho has a stellar run to the end of the season for Dortmund, but transfer market valuations rightly collapse over the summer and autumn. Does he stay and make something with Holland in 2021? or chase a Premier League dream and a spot in the England Euro squad? That's such a great question in terms of the valuation. That's a great perspective. I think he still chases the, the Premier League dream. I don't think that changes anything fundamentally, really. I think he wants his homecoming. Yeah, I mean, we've covered Sancho's potential transfer moves a number of times. Mm. And I mean, all of the, the whispers from people who are very, very more in the know with stuff like this than I am have been that he will leave. Yeah. I personally think he should stay. Weirdly, I think that this actually plays a little bit more into Dortmund's hands at an executive level because so much of their model has been focused on maximising transfer revenue for young prospects. Like you saw how much it was when Dembele went for. They saw Christian Pulisic for a big, big fee. You know, if they sold Usman Dembele for over 100 million euros and because of the changes or the collapse in the transfer market, they can only get something like 50 for Sancho. They don't need to sell as desperately as they used to. Exactly. So I wonder whether it might push it back because of his contract. That's a great shout. A lot of it could depend on the stability that each league gets rolled out again. If the Bundesliga goes to the end of the season without, like, without any mishaps and the Premier League is still massively up in the air and no one knows whether it's coming back or if they can't complete the season or if next season is delayed and all of this kind of stuff. I wonder whether he looks at him and is like, well, I could genuinely win a trophy here. Manchester United aren't going to win the league next season. They're just not. Right, absolutely. I mean, that's a big, big gamble. And also, if he's playing regular football at Dortmund and they're challenging for trophies, I just wonder whether stability might play a factor in that because he's going to be in the England squad. If he doesn't go to the Euros in 2021, then... I mean, that's just not Gareth Southgate's vibe. Gareth Southgate will take him. Yeah. I mean, I mean there, was a, there was a video that I tweeted, actually. Um, if you go to at Ryan Hunt, that's my Twitter account. I tweeted a thing that Opta did. They did a bit of a deep dive on Sancho. I would encourage people to go and watch that video if they're still unsure about how good he is. Because it puts it right there in the metrics compared to other players in world football. His numbers are like otherworldly for someone his age. Off the scale, yeah. If he continues his development over the next season and he's not starting for England, 
then there's something fundamentally wrong. The thing is, I trust Southgate to get that right. Oh, dude, he was like, you know, the thing that I was posting about Nagelsmann's Nike acronym 600 euro jacket. Yeah. Southgate was pictured wearing the black version. Oh my God, he knows. He just moved to Berlin. (laughs) Southgate's on it, man. (laughs) Southgate's rocking the all black Nike acronym ACG coat. He's going to put Sancho in the starting 11. It's just, you don't wear a coat like that unless you're in the know. Oh my God, I just had a thought. I just had a thought of like, after Southgate's done with England, he just like rocks up at Schalke. I want him to take the Herter job. Oh my God. Do you know what? Actually, I'd like that. I would like that very much. And we've got a few questions about the return of the Bundesliga atmosphere and stuff like that. So this one's from Wepia Buntugu. So do you guys think the lack of fans will affect the quality of football, especially at the more feisty stadiums like Dortmund? This is a tough one because I think that this is just a, this is a basic human nature thing. Yeah. It is very, very hard to play the same way in an empty stadium. Then again, Atalanta against Valencia. And they went yeah, to town. True. I mean, then again, Illich, Illich is probably a cyborg. But I think, I, think, I think it depends on the element. Do you know what it is? What I will say is Valencia were hurt by not having their fans there in the Mestalla. Yeah. There's a huge loss. And I think, I think my answer would be at crucial points of the game, it will make an astonishing difference. I think that's what I was, especially in a derby. 100% agree. I think that's the thing. It's not necessarily game to game. It's maybe moment to moment. Right, the moments, yeah. Great, yeah. great question. Wow. I mean, I was at the Dortmund Schalke game last season, uh, like I mentioned on the podcast the other day, and the noise is ferocious. For people who haven't been to Dortmund to watch a game, it's noisier in the warm up than it is at 90% of Premier League stadiums at peak time. Put it that way. Oh my goodness. It's, it's, in, it's incredible. But yeah, I'm, I'm, that's a real shame, obviously. But at the end of the day, it's like we said on the last podcast, football shouldn't be immune to what the rest of the world is going through. And it's just not safe to bring people into stadiums. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's arguably not even that safe to resume football, but they're doing it. So. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. Let's have another question from another sartorial one. Oh, okay. From Robbie. If you could merge the dress sense of a Bundesliga manager with the face and body of a Premier League manager, what would be the suavest combo? He said, bonus question, would anything be better than Roy Hodgson in an Argelsman jacket? <laughs> I mean, it's an easy answer, but then again, it's not fair to mention Guardiola because we've already had Pep in the Bundesliga because so we've kind of seen it. And his attire completely changed after the Bundesliga. You look at him at Barca, he was very much jumper, shirt and tie. He was that kind of, the kind of thing, the, the pictures that they always put on the front of football manager boxes. And now he's gone Stone Island, hasn't he? He's gone like... There are a few too many pockets on his trousers. There are a few too many zips on his jacket. Do you know what's interesting though? Can I be honest with you? About football managerial clothing, based on the context, Tony Pulis was obviously projecting working class underdog, right? That's what he's projecting there. Hands on. That's Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. The managerial style... The dress sense. I mean, I know that you've mentioned it before, but it's um, and also I think uh, didn't didn't June mention it on Twitter? Um, June Pan, yeah, yeah. She mentioned. I think she was talking about something similar, like dress sense, dress codes, and it's just this cycle. It's, it's all. I mean, I, I go and teach poetry in schools, right? So I try to dress like the kind of friendly but respectfully distant uncle. Hey, kids. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> like, it's, like, it's like it's like hey, you can talk to him, but there's a severity there as well. He's friendly, but you can't really take the piss. And it's funny how, you know, when you dress to teach, it's a performance. And obviously when you dress as a manager, it's a performance. Mm. So it's funny that Pep has been changing tactically. You know, he started off with the high press at Barca, but now he's kind of gone for the 
the low block or the low pockets at, at City. That's interesting. Pep started out with very much like, I'm new, I'm very, very svelte. Mm. I can rock this tight-fitting kind of jumper over a shirt and tie with a long coat. As he's progressed through his career and he's trying to figure out, he's trying to push how many number eights he can play at once. <laughs> his clothing has got more erratic. Do you know what's funny? When Mourinho turned up to Anfield for that game where they won 2-0, dressed like looking, that, you knew. pure Limmy. You knew when Mourinho turned up dressed like, like, like someone turned the wings against him. That was really <laughs> it, wasn't it? <laughs> when he dressed like that, you were like, we know what the outcome's going to be. Oh, yeah, there was only one outcome. Yeah. He turned the wings against them. <laughs> I hope people get that reference. So good. All right, all right I'm going to go combo. So my combo would be, I love Jurgen Klopp, right? My favourite Jurgen Klopp was when he was at Dortmund and they would play Champions League because he would dress smarter. He used to wear a shirt and tie and a jacket. He used to go the kind of smart-ish yeah. manager route and he looked amazing. Right. And, you know, now it's like he's just been dipped in the club shop. Of course. And... And I actually wrote this about David Wagner as well. He's like, like Klopp, he's extremely loyal to the club shop. It's like, if it cannot be bought on the club website, he will not wear it. But I would like to see him, Jürgen Klopp, with the wardrobe of Adi Hütter. That's my shout. Oh, what does Hütter wear? Have you done the Hütter one yet? At the time of recording, the Hütter one is next. But Hütter is a, he's like Marco Rosa, he's versatile. He's a bit of a pioneer. Sometimes it'll be a roll neck. Sometimes it'll be a shirt and tie. Sometimes it'll be a club hoodie, a club jacket over some smart jeans and some nice pumps. It's all very like refined, but with a hint of club loyalty. I'd love to see Klopp again in a shirt and tie with a V-neck jumper and a Liverpool coat over the top. Because with the stubble and the glasses and take the cap off, it just it's that combination of like, I kind of yeah. give a shit, but I don't really give a shit. You know, he used to always do this for Dortmund. He'd only wear it for Champions League, but he'd always wear his shirt button undone. So he'd had that element of like scruffy, do you know like he, he was like a, he, yeah. he was he was like a he was like a math teacher who would still like chuck some of his favorite pupils a bit of weed every now and again. <laughs> Do you know why this is so brilliant as a piece of analysis, Ryan? Like because no one else has the time to think of such nonsense no but they do they, there's they when you're going dressing as a football manager you're, you're trying to ch- you're the lightning rod you're trying to channel the emotion of the crowd and also manage the emotion of your players so when they look at the touchline they see they're reassured by what they see there and that mm. reassurance takes different forms and the reason i mentioned this i was talking to ad boothroyd who had who took watford on that great run into the premier league um and ad boothroyd said that Here's the secret. A lot of footballers are terrified. They're little boys. They play in the parks and they play in the academies or the youth squads. And all of a sudden they're playing in front of like 40,000 people and they hear everything. And your job Mm. as a manager is to reassure them. It's the body language, the way you hold yourself. Like someone like Ancelotti, when Ancelotti, when teams would score, his team would score and he wouldn't even have facial expression even though inside he might be leaping around like one of the players because he was a player in his day. He, he got hype in his day, right? That is all a performance down to even the like the unbuttoned shirt. It's yeah. all an act. And so when uh-huh. they look, when the play, players are like, someone said it so well, they're so smart. They're always sniffing, looking for weakness, right? So when you're dressing a certain way, you're conveying a sense of, to me, it's no big deal. Or I stepped out of a boardroom or I'm just one of the fans. So Klopp's whole thing of like blending in with the wall at Anfield, blending in with the energy of the crowd and channeling that, it 
psychologically very important. And it fascinates me because a different squad, a different ground, Klopp dresses differently. So for example, he might dress differently for the Dortmund players because maybe it was a younger team and he's like, you're not in control of your passions, so you need someone who's kind of like austere. So when you look to the touchline, you see a kind of like a dad type figure. Whereas the Liverpool players are like, you've got Alisson, you've got Van Dijk, you've got people who are like, you know, you've got self-starters, you've got Mane, you've got people who are mentally just robust. They don't need that reassurance. So you can just give them passion because they can manage themselves in a sense. Does that make sense? So- yeah, the thing, that, the thing that Klopp is a master at is making the fans of the club that he manages totally relate to him. Yes, yes. Yeah. There would be a dad in Liverpool who would have got a load of Liverpool stuff for Christmas and would just be wearing all of it. And he looks at Jurgen Klopp and he's basically like, Klopp's me. We're the same person, yeah. If I had all of that stuff, I would wear it all the time. To the point where Jurgen Klopp has been doing these videos during the lockdown from home. Yeah. And every single time he does it, he's wearing full Liverpool get-up with the cap Incredible. at home. Incredible. Like, Dude, you're not at work. <laughs> Chill. But he's always at work. That's the genius of him. He's always at work. He's a genius, Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp is an absolute genius. Well, we said this, when Klopp went to Liverpool, not Manchester United, I got in touch with a friend of mine and I'm like, that is the best signing they're going to make in 15 years. Yeah, it's over. It's done. Like, this, this is it. The this, league this, is this, done. Yeah. It's inevitable at some point that yeah. that will happen. And yeah. wherever, wherever Klopp goes, I said to my friend, I said, wherever Klopp goes, they'll become great for the next 10 years. It's not even a question. Yeah. Anyway. I yeah. want to expand on this point. Yeah. Before we wrap up. We've answered like, like question two questions, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, but you know. Yeah, yeah. But they're great. They're great questions. Okay. So, Musok Wonga, you've just been appointed manager of Manchester United. <laughs> what is your get up vibe? Do you vary it? Do you stick to one vibe? What's your thing? It's a it's a dark suit. Yeah. With a white shirt and a yellow tie. You can't wear yellow at Manchester United. Slightly flared. <laughs> slightly flared trousers. Very slightly. Very slightly sort of tapered. The only problem wearing a red tie is that sometimes in these political times, people might think it's... That's my yeah, one. but no, no, no. I don't think you can wear a yellow tie if you're Manchester United manager. The only reason I was choosing... Um, the only reason I would have chosen yellow and not red, not because it's not I'm a United fan, but because clubs have got divided fan bases. So I wouldn't want people to think it was like an affiliation. Okay, then. Okay, how about this then? Dark blue suit, white shirt, red tie. So you're going to be like the club suit guy, basically. Like the Solskjaer. You're basically rocking the Solskjaer. I with the club so. jacket, with your initials MO over... I think so. I think so. Because, yeah. yeah, do you know what it is? It's because if I was a different manager with like a massive rep, then fine. But you've got to play your position. United is such a big club that unless you are, unless you're like an absolute generational genius, you can't really swerve too much from the fundamentals, I think. I think you've got to keep it kind of legit. Manchester United haven't really ever had a tracksuit manager, have they? Moyes dabbled on the wet days. They're a suit club. They're such a suit club. Yeah, they you've really got, you've, are, got right? to, you've got to dress like your boardroom. Yeah. 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 So actually, no, you're fair. Okay. How about that then? So you're right about the tie colour. I think red, but only, I was only avoiding red only because I know that it's associated with Labour and I was like, well, people might have. Yeah, but Manchester Central, man. I know. Labour stronghold. Yeah, but we're in a, such a divided society that, you know, that's how I feel. Oh. Yeah. That, that, that's my take on it. How about yourself? What would you go for? I think I'm going to surprise no one but saying I think I would try and channel my inner Marco Rosa and be as versatile as possible. 
But maybe a little bit more on the Adi Hutter thing. Because Marco Rosa doesn't ever really embrace the fully formal. Yeah. Like, let's be real. He doesn't ever need to. I would like to do club suit with a tie, top button undone. Incredible. Even if I'm in a suit, top button's never done up. Incredible. Never with shiny black shoes. No. But not like the Luis Enrique vibe where he would wear... You know, they went through that phase of Almost wearing trainers. very smart stuff, but it was like black trainers with a white sole. Yes, it's very football pundit, very pundit. Yeah, I'm not into that. I'd rock maybe. I've got this black pair of Clark's desert boots that have got a black sole as well. And they're kind of smart, but they're kind of not too smart. Oh, very interesting. Okay. That would be quite, quite cool. But then the next week I'd like to rock a, I don't know, I'd like to switch it up. But then some, I want to be one of those managers that doesn't do it all the time. But when they come out and they're wearing the club tracksuit with the big club jacket, everyone's just like, whoa, hang on a minute. Why is he wearing the tracksuit? It got real, exactly. Yeah. Because that's like a, that. that's I, a, I think you need to change it up. I think, I think especially if you're a club which is less, unfortunately, Manchester United is so institutional, doesn't give you much room for manoeuvre. Mm. But if you're a club like, like Gladbach, you can switch it up. And you can really put an emphasis, especially occasions, if it's like a title running, for example, you start dressing differently. Yeah. Um, to transmit that sense of, you know, calmness or casualness, whatever. That's yeah. quite I'd cool. be a big fan of rocking a rocking a woolly hat in the winter as well, but like a club woolly hat. So it's like, so say for example, if I was Arsenal manager, they've got the Adidas deal. It'd be like an Adidas hat. Incredible. But like woolly hat, but not, not done right down to my eyebrows, kind of like up at my hairline. Well, Wenger was a master of what to wear on the touchline. He was consistent. Shirt, tie, suit. And the coat was incredible. Club jacket, obviously the zip thing ha. was an issue. Uh, he, I only ever saw him wear, I think, a tracksuit once when it was really raining one day. Maybe twice he did it. But, you know, he's a, he's a tall, slender man. I'm not. No, do you know what? I would love to do, if I was at a club which had Adidas as a sponsorship, and this isn't pro Adidas, it could work for Nike. Do you know what would be amazing in the <laughs> summer? In the summer, here we go. Hang on. Cracks knuckles. <laughs> Let's go, kids, before we get out of here. Let's say it's the last home game of the season. You've already clinched the league. Amazing. I'm at Arsenal. We've clinched the league. I mean, how <laughs> farcical is this already? <laughs> Arsenal manager Ryan Hunt emerges from the tunnel <laughs> wearing an Arsenal training shirt with his initials on, obviously. <laughs> A pair of Adidas original shorts. Not too short, but they're not knee length. Amazing. Not short shorts, but, you know, just with the tray foil on it. Some of those Adidas socks with the three stripes that go up to the calf and Adidas sliders. Oh my God, that is incredible. We're almost on the beach. <laughs> like it is in a bowl of cornflakes. <laughs> Backwards cap. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that is hilarious. The amount of late challenges that would be flying in on your players. Like, they'd be like, ambulance is waiting outside the Emirates after that. <laughs> I'd, I would love to be the uh, the socks and sliders manager. If I rock that as Arsenal manager, Sancho would be on the phone straight after. It'd be like, where do I sign? Exactly, they would. There'd be a WhatsApp group. About I need it. to play for a guy. I need to play for a guy who wears socks and sliders. Incredible! It's incredible. I just feel like you get me. I feel like you get me. <laughs> Backwards cap. What a ridiculous end of the podcast. It's amazing. Let's get out of here. Let's spare these people any more nonsense. <laughs> I bet. I bet. I bet you're all wishing it was a short quick fire 25 minute mailbag now don't you they came from a preview and they got a dress code dissection oh, God. everyone's and- listening being like we didn't ask for any of this nicknames why are you and- doing this nicknames and dress codes <laughs> 
Oh dear. Right. We're going to be back on Monday. We're recording now on the old schedule because football's back. Yeah. Um, make sure you go and check us out on Twitter at Stadio. Stadio Football is the Instagram. Stadio.Football is the website. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts, give us a rating and review. It helps us grow the podcast. Stadio Sessions on Friday. Go to the Stadio Twitter account and we'll post all the info. And on the music tip, we're playing out on May East, Maraca, which was on the Stadio Sessions Brazil episode, which you can go and listen back to. And we also playlisted all of the tracks that were available on Spotify in separate playlists so if you go to the Stadio Twitter we posted the links to those the other day anything to add Musa before we're out of here no I'm all good stay well yeah. Uh, yeah, stay, stay safe, well, stay safe. dress appropriately and we'll socks catch you soon socks and sliders is that socks and sliders <laughs> big socks and sliders energy boy